Uh, we'll see one clip first, then I'll read the scripture. Shall we start? Who is Jesus? Let's see what people think. Question. He was born on Christmas Day. Yeah. He's probably a guy who was quite groovy like Gandhi many, many years ago and did some carpentry and was probably quite a nice bloke. Did you sound up your this film? I think that uh, he's a man with uh, long hair and, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's got some. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've never like seen him or anything like this and I don't really believe in him. I think... Jesus is fictionary. I think Jesus is probably a guy that's made up to try and keep people in line. To be honest, he's part of the biggest con ever to be associated with mankind. I think that Jesus is like something that people have in their imagination and that they use to kind of comfort themselves in sort of difficult situations, maybe. I think a person called Jesus existed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's a little bit crazy. He's important. But for all young people like us, uh, yes. I don't know. He's important because he's no. <laughs> like my best friend, for her, like, and Jesus is a big factor in her life and like her making decisions. So it's like so many different religions, you don't really know what to believe and nothing's wrong, but it's like, is Jesus real? Because there's so many different things you can believe in. Good, good. It's not that good, you know. The video was, uh, yeah. Let's read from Book of Acts, Chapter 3. Um, then we will come back to this video. What was all about this one? One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried into the temple gate, temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So that the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him, from, from them. Then Peter, Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. He helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankle became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. He, and he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all people saw him walking and praising God, they recognize him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is an amazing story, especially in the book of Acts. Everything is amazing in the book of Acts, including persecution, you know. Um, so I was talking about uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Coming of the Holy Spirit, amazing things happen in the book of uh, uh, Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came and filled the people. Tongues of fire came and they started speaking tongues. And some of the people came 
what is going on? Then explain, guys, we are not drunk. This is happening. This is the move of the Holy Spirit. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is something spectacular. As you know that, this is not a random thing. This is from the book of Joel. So he read uh, Joel uh, and he explained actually what was happening. So the work of the Holy Spirit was filling people with the power. And that enabled them to be a witness. If you read Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the scripture says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit come on you. And you will be my witness. Shall we say that word together? Witness. Bank holiday weekend, a bit more loud. Witness. witness. Yeah, you will be my witness. So that's the key thing. Witnessing whom? Jesus. So God anointed his people to witness his kingdom or witness his nature, witness his character. And John chapter 14 verse 26 says, the same Holy Spirit works in a different way. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is a very, very encouraging thing for me personally because uh, um, keeping things in my mind is quite difficult and what to say at the right time is quite more difficult. But here is a great assurance from the Holy Spirit. You don't need to worry about that. You just trust in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to speak what and what to say at the right time, at the right place, at the right time. Sometimes we thought, this never happened to me. <laughs> That's not the thing happened to me in my life. You know, I've been filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. I do believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes I do struggle what to say. But that is our human struggle. But the other end, we love to believe what the scripture says. Yes, Lord, if you say that, I love to say amen to that. Because your word is true. And occasions... We can see that, many times we can see that, when apostles were persecuted, when church were persecuted, they were standing before the authorities, they're amazed by the words. Are these fishermen? Are they not? Uh, uh, they are uneducated. They've never been to school. But look at the eloquency, the way they communicate, the ballless kind of things. They were amazed by the change happened to people's life. That is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit is here that is living in us. We are facing a big challenge in this country. Communicating gospel is a big deal, but you can trust the same Holy Spirit. He can enable you. He can entrust. He can give you the authority to communicate with boldness because Bible says in uh, Acts chapter four, uh, John chapter 14 verse 26, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John chapter 16 verse 14. This is introduction. So I'll go to the story soon. So Holy Spirit will empower you, bring things to your memory, remind you what Jesus already taught. The third thing, 16, 14. John 16, 14. He will glorify me. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Glorifies me. That is the... One of the biggest things Holy Spirit does is glorifying God, glorifying Jesus. So whatever we do by the power of the Holy Spirit, that will always glorify God. 
Even when we pray for someone, even there is a healing, even there is no healing. Are you following me? Even there is a miracle, even there is no miracle. Some people think, how do you explain that? If there is a miracle, people can see, and that will glorify God. And if there is no miracle, how does that glorify God? Actually, we are declaring, this is the person you should trust. We are not trusting miracles or wonders. We are trusting the person of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit, because he is always right. We are not analyzing on the basis of visible things. We love to trust in God. What he is doing is always right. Through that, we will glorify God. Amen? Whether there is a healing or miracle, we always love to trust in God. God, you are a healer. Whether there is a healing or not, I love to pray for the sick. Again and again and again. Sickness, healing is not the, not the driving force me to pray for the sick. The driving force me to pray for the sick, the compassion from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So that will encourage us to pray again and again. Because when we do that one, we will be glorifying God by the power of the Holy Spirit, and God will get the glory. Here's a different story. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They are going to church or temple every day, and for praying, most of the time they were reading the scripture and praying, reading the scripture and praying. Nothing to do, because when they go out, maybe because of persecution and lack of acceptance, they struggle. But now things are changed. Now they are praying, spending more time outside, and this is one of the time Peter and John going to the temple. They're walking. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at nine, uh, at the time of prayer and three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from the birth, from birth was being carried to the temple gate, uh, uh, a temple name called Beautiful. So he's there. He's not a new person. Acts chapter 4 verse 10, it's very clear that he was there for nearly 40 years because his age was mentioned there. He was uh, more than 40 years old. We, we are not going there now. So uh, he, he was there all the time. He, they, they might have seen him many times. Even Jesus saw him many times. Jesus went to the same temple and Jesus did many miracles in the same temple. But he never received a healing. This guy was left out. Not purposely. I was thinking that was God's timing. So this time, he was walking, and uh, uh, Peter and John just walking towards the temple for prayer. They were, they, they were not planning to do a healing ministry. Oh, this morning, Peter, you know the guy sitting there? Yeah, I know. We were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Shall we do something today? Yes, go for it. Act like this. We are going to the temple. Then he will call, and we are doing a supernatural there. No! They were not preparing for that. They were not thinking about that. They were not praying about that one. In a normal way, natural way, they were going to temple. Then somebody called. For what? Not for healing. He called for money. He was begging. He was asking for money. No expectation. No faith. There is no supernatural. Completely normal begging as he was doing for last uh, uh, 20 or 30 or maybe not four four days. Maybe he started begging from the age of 5 or 10. I don't know. Think about 30 years or 20 years. The same thing. Money. Can we have some money? All things he was asking for. Money. But at that time, what was the response of of Peter and John. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. 
So he was asking for arm, but Peter and John something different. If I if I go to the the clip, I love to go to the uh, uh, the one of the PowerPoint presentation. There is a uh, clip number one. So uh, Acts chapter three is uh, the beginning. Is was he asked for arms, but we gave him legs. He was asking for money, but we moved beyond that. Not legs, not to walk, but to praise God. That is particular. I read this, I think, portion like 20 or 30 times. Again and again and again and again. Each time when I was reading, my goodness, I was thinking like, it's not just a healing ministry. It's not like a supernatural. God is doing something beyond that. I was thinking, this is just a healing because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When I was looking this this lad or this young man or this 40 years old, middle-aged man, he was like, he walked, but the moment he was jumping, and, and, and dancing, the next thing he was, he went to the temple and praising God. Something he never did in his life. Something he never experienced. He was not asking for that. But the work of the Holy Spirit always go beyond people's expectation. Oh, well, that will take them to the real reason the, G, the, the, the real reason the anointing of the Holy Spirit came to set the captives free so that they can worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Begging is a humiliated thing. In India, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of beggars. If you go to Mumbai or if you go to, to Calcutta, lots and lots of beggars because of the financial reason. Maybe I'm thinking, in this country, less beggars because of the benefit system. Because the government is there to help. If Just imagine, if the, the benefit system is not there, there will be more people in the street here. Thank God, you are in a better place. But begging is a humiliated thing. It's not an easy thing. Sometimes, it's, oh, he can sit there, beg, he will get some money, eat, Oh, he can't do anything. It's kind of, it's, it's not a big deal, you know. So, I was watching a clip about a guy who was begging in the streets. So, if you look at that street, I just cut short that one for small one, then you will get a flavor. How does a beggar feel to beg? So, let's watch that clip. What's the mindset of a beggar? And uh, a lot of times I don't have enough money for that, so I had to end up sleeping in the park or on one of these benches downtown or something like this. And then the security guards come and run it off about five or six in the morning. So by six o'clock I started to pan out and trying to survive. And uh, like I said before, some days I don't even have enough to get it wrong, so I just sleep on the sleep street. But I depend on the people that's coming off the train because most of them I give them respect. You know, most of them like me. They come out and give me clothes and food and stuff like this here so I can survive, give me a few bucks and everything, and I add it up at the end of the day and give me a little room for the night. And whenever I'm not fortunate enough to get the room, I just sleep in the street wherever I can. It's really humiliating to be shaking a cup 24 hours a day and people just look at you like you're some kind of little bomb, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I have had people to walk past me and say, get a job, bomb. And I said, wait a minute. This is the life of a beggar. It's not exciting. 
He was there for hours, days and days there asking for money. So now, Peter and John responding in a different way. You might be, I saw you guys every day, but this is the moment God is leading them to a healing ministry, not just a healing ministry, beyond that. Enabling this man to come out from his humiliation. Enabling this man to come out from his physical disability, emotional disability, and spiritual disability. So like a holistic, full work of the Holy Spirit in that person's life. Sometimes, when we are thinking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we just think about legs growing, cancer being healed, AIDS is disappearing, blinds are opening. Yes, physical level, God wants to do that, absolutely. But this morning, I think, uh, 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 I think, is it Wendy, you shared about opening the eyes or something? Yeah, yes, yeah, the sh- sharing about that one. God, open our eyes, you know, not just physical eyes, to see what actually going around our life. This man was crippled, but something deeper going in his life. A humiliated life. And he was not able to go to the temple to worship the Lord. And he was stuck there and just sitting there and begging and begging and begging. I'm thinking he was richer than Peter and John. <laughs> Lots of money. But even though... That was his stage. He didn't recognize that. He was completely carried out by the day-to-day, everyday life. This is my life. This is the way I born. This is what I do. I like to do that every day. But when the church is filled with the Holy Spirit, the way you see things are different now. The way you act to different circumstances are different. Because we are wearing the glass of the Holy Spirit. We are wearing the glass of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because we are the children of God. We are not the, the same way. We, the, the government may react in a specific way. The public might react in a specific way. The charities will think in a specific way. We won't just give some parcels of food. We are always thinking, God. What do you really want to do to this person's life? Not just giving cloth or just doing some food parcel or do you want to do something beyond that? I believe God really wants to set this person free to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords without any bondage and without any kind of baggage. That's the reason Jesus came to this earth to set the captives free. So when we are thinking about healing, don't just stop at physical healing. Always see what God really wants to do beyond that. Because that's the root cause. That's a real issue. So this morning, I believe God wants to do that in us and through us and in our life. So suddenly... People are gathered. So if there is a miracle, if somebody is doing in a public setting, especially it's a temple setting, people are there gathered. People are coming and asking, what's happening and what's happening and what's happening, what's happening? Then this man is dancing and jumping and praising God. Then he asked the question, that's another moment for us to explain how did this happen? Otherwise people think, this is just a miracle, they will go away. 
use that opportunities to communicate something God's people must be be the interpreters or explaining what actually God is doing there then and there so the opportunities are always there when we pray when we see some of the things when God is doing something explain it you just watched that video of uh, video in the beginning about who is Jesus people's idea is completely different from what's our expectation, you know. How can they believe that one? He's like a Gandhi, he's a guru, he's a, he's a good moral person. And they don't have any understanding who Jesus is. Sometimes we think, oh, they know it. He's a per- famous person. They might have read the Bible, but they don't know who Jesus is. But that's the occasion, that's the time we should communicate what God is actually doing there. The way God is communicating his love. And he is compassionate. He is merciful. What God is, uh, 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 he done through the course, uh, uh, through the cross. And what kind of things he has done through his resurrection. And his, uh, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We have a responsibility to explain things when things happen. Especially happening in the supernatural. So then people can understand. Wow. Oh. So God loves me. So Jesus died on the cross. So he loves me. So he can save me. There is something called sin. Oh, I know. This is the reason I'm struggling. So there is a solution there. So this is not the solution. What's the solution? Jesus is the solution. So it's not a religion. This is a relationship. So this is not about going to church or dressing up in a nice way. It's not about something doing in a legalistic, religious way. This is something beyond that. Then people will be able to connect with God. That is one of the reasons God has anointed us to be a witness. If we are not doing that, who is going to do that one? Nobody is going to do that one. BBC won't do that one. They are always keen to pick the negative side. Medias are there, papers are there, everything, internet, all kind of things are there to pick the negative side. But we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, anointed with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is with us to communicate, to witness powerfully, without any shame. Because what we are communicating is the truth. How many of you have the confidence that? What I'm communicating is the truth, because His word is true. God is true. Holy Spirit is true. And He is not a dead God. He is alive. Many tombs are closed. Many historians, many, many rulers like Napoleon, or, or, or many people are dead. They're gone to, they're, they're gone to the earth. But my Jesus, our Jesus is alive. It's not a mythical story. This is the truth. And we should have the boldness to communicate that. How do we get that boldness? Going to your Bible college? No. Maybe a bad idea. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the Bible college. When you go to Bible college or in a university, you will be filled your mind with lots of knowledge. Nothing wrong with knowledge. But we really need the living knowledge. Knowledge with life. Only Holy Spirit can give that into your life. Only Holy Spirit can give that life. Otherwise, you can have a PhD in theology, but still you can be an atheist. 
You can write an amazing book about the, the character of Jesus, but still you can't, you don't believe in Jesus. You, you can be like that. But when the Holy Spirit comes, when the power comes, when the, when the anointing comes, that will enable us. The, one of the key things that happened in the, in the apostles' life or, or the disciples' life, they were bold. Shall we say together that world with boldness? Bold. Yeah, you're, your, your boldness is not that bold. <laughs> Say together, bold. bold. To communicate the truth. Because what I'm saying is the truth. When people say, this is, these are, these are the things there and there, uh, you can't prove it. But still, even if you, when you struggle to communicate that, something you experience in your life, the freedom God has given in your life is amazing. So we have a responsibility to communicate the truth into people's life. Peter and John breaking into his life. A man with no expectation or faith for healing. You might see this kind of people in your workplace, in your university, in your uh, roommates or classmates or in the street. People are living without expectation, just living on the basis of a routine. Okay? What is our responsibility? What, what, how do we react? Britishness will say, give them space. That's their choice. That's their comfortable area, you know. Don't interrupt. But the heart of God really want to set that person free. Devil will say, it's okay, let him go like that. Miserable life, sleepless nights, lots of problems, using sleeping pills five or six every night to get sleep. Referring to the right psychology, psychiatrist or to the Google website or some, some good hospital, they can get some sort of comfort or kind of things. Nothing wrong in that one, but what actually God wants to do in their life. There are hundreds of people to give a helping hand, but no one there to help what actually God wants to do in their life. Who will do that? If we are not doing that, Nobody's going to do that one. Well, next time, when you hear one of your colleagues, one of your friends saying, I'm struggling to sleep, just ask them, can I pray for you? Just ask. Because you know, God can set them free. You know, God wants them to sleep. You know, God wants them to fill them with Peace, that is not from this world, that's from him. That's God's heart. That's why John 3.16, God so loved the world, not because of our loving nature, because that was his character. He wants to set us free. 1 John 3.8, we can see that the reason Jesus came to this earth to set the captives free, to break the work of the devil. One John, can, you, can we go to 1 John chapter uh, 3, verse 8? Then uh, I'll just see that scripture. That's a, uh, that's a wonderful scripture. 1 John chapter 3, 
verse 8. It's coming. The reason Jesus came to this earth to work, to destroy the work of the devil. Why can't we read that together? You can look at your scripture, look at your Bible and read there or look at here. Oh, 1 till 24, my goodness. It's, it will take all time, you know, just uh, uh, narrow down to verse 8 and 9. She lavishly gave, read everything, you know. Verse 8 and 9. Shall we read it together? Okay. We are not in India. In India, millions of people can't read. But we are thankfully educated to read. So, this is a good thing to read. Shall we read it together? With a loud voice, including Samuel. Is he eating? Okay, no worries then. Okay. Okay? Shall we start? The one who does... What is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's the reason he came. That is the reason he is sending us. That's the reason we, he's releasing us again. I already started, but I want my church to continue that. He's still out there with his business. But I want to set the captives free. So healing is not just about the physical one. God always wants to see healing beyond physical level. Or God wants to deal with uh, the, uh, uh, the beyond that. Interestingly, how did they heal? What's the method they used? They used a specific name. What was that name? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Something they never used before. That, I mean, before coming to Jesus. Before knowing him. Something they started using. Or they picked up from the master, from Jesus. Because Jesus, when he was doing something, he always used the name of the Father. There are many scriptures there. There is a communication. He used the name of uh, name of the Father. John chapter five verse forty three says, "I have come in my Father's name." John chapter five verse forty three. And you do not receive me. If another one comes in his own name. You will receive him. So it's here you can see that when Jesus is using, I'm, I'm here in the name of my father. So I'm representing my father. Under the scripture, John chapter 10 verse 25. John 10 25. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name. Bear witness about me. Here, disciples are using the name of Jesus. Jesus using the name of the Father. How does that work? He's using the works I do in my Father's name. Bear witness about me. Okay? Place that's the same situation in the book of Acts. The works we do 
in the name of Jesus, it represents, it represents us. People are confused. I'll read again. The works I do in my father's name bear witness about me. This is God's heart. I'm doing this thing in the name of uh, my father. So through that, what I'm really like just communicate to you, I like to do what my father likes to do. So I'm connected to my father. So that, that reveals my identity. So here, they're using the name of Jesus. If you want to use the name of someone, you should be approved. You should be allowed. You should be uh, uh, anointed. Or you should be released to do that one. When they're using the name of Jesus, they're talking about Jesus, not only about Jesus. They're talking about themselves. They are saying, we are connected to Jesus. This is God really wants to do in your life. So they are proclaiming themselves, we are Jesus fans. We are church. Through that, who will get the glory? God will get the glory. So never, ever be ashamed to use the name of Jesus. It's not just about naming the name Jesus, Jesus. But knowing that this is God's heart. Shall we go to disciples? Some of, some of the ways, you know, uh, how disciples use Jesus' name. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 to 18. Mark 16, verse 17 to 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands and if they drink any deadly poison, I will, uh, it will not hurt them and they will lay their hands on the sick and they will, they will recover. In my name, they will cast out. In my name, they will do this one. In my name, they will do this one. In my name, it's all about Jesus. In my name, because, for example, if I'm saying something, the majestic queen of England love to give you a chocolate tomorrow, you will laugh. Will you laugh? You already start laughing. The majestic queen Love to give you a, a Kit Kat tomorrow. She won't give Kit Kat. She will give you something better, you know. <laughs> but Prince Harry or someone from the royal family standing here and saying, Majestic Queen, love to give you a gift voucher of thousand pounds. John Lewis voucher, you won't laugh. You'll say, wow. Was she here? No. Because that person is connected to that family. That person is having an attachment and that person won't just simply say, that person will say with boldness. But our case is, the king of kings and lord of lords not like the majestic queen in the Buckingham Palace. He's with us all the time. He's living in us. And when we communicate something, how much more we should be confident. 
Amen? How much more we should be bold because he is living in us. 1 John chapter 4 verse 4. Easy to remember. 4, 4. 1 John chapter 4 verse 4. He that is in us is greater than he that is in this world. This morning, uh, 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 Dan mentioned about uh, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 11 again. Easy to remember, 11, 11. You should know which 11, you know, Matthew 11 or Luke 11. That's the problem, you know. So Luke 11, chapter 11, you know. If, if anyone asks, if, if, if your children ask something, thing like bread or a fish or egg, you know, if, if an earthly father is willing to give something, how much more? Knowing that. He that is in me, the one called me, the one rescued me, the one anointed me, the one filled my heart with, with anointing and confidence and boldness is not away from me and he is with me. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says the same thing, you know. Shall we go to look at Acts chapter 10 verse 38? You know? How Jesus was anointed with power and Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. We'll be there soon. Okay. How Jesus anointed Jesus of, our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went around doing good and healing all he were under the power of the devil. Because, because, oh, come on church. Because, That's the reason. He was God. He was in the image of God. But he came down. But he completely relying on his father. Knowing that this is what father likes to do. Here we are. This is like Jesus likes to do. Destroying the work of the devil. Destroying the work of the devil. So when you see things. Move with compassion. You cannot do a miracle or healing or you cannot move, really pray for a person without compassion and faith. It's impossible. It won't glorify God. If you're not doing without compassion, no. Jesus always moved with compassion. Oh, this is not my father's will. Oh, this is not my father's will. This is not my father's will. This is not my father's will. He always, no, no, this is not my father's will. I want to bring healing. I want to bring restoration. When the person was caught in the adultery, the Pharisee said, okay, this is what the scripture says. We want to kill by stoning. But Jesus said, My father wants to restore that person and to bring healing into his life, that person's life, moving with compassion. Holy Spirit will give us that compassion in our heart. Sometimes we think, I'm not a healing guy, I'm not a miracle working guy, I'm an ordinary Christian coming to church, quite busy, this is not for me. If you really Love to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God can fill your heart 
with that compassion and faith. The same moment I sense when I'm, when I'm preaching this one, when I'm sharing this one, God is healing many people here, right now. Just believe, God, this is what you want me to do in my life. You can heal me. Nothing is impossible with you, God. You came to destroy the work of the devil. God, God, I, I, I receive that healing, God, because you are here and you love to, you are always moving with compassionate and your spirit is here. Thank you for that healing. Sometimes we think, how is going to that happen? But that's the place Holy Spirit will allow us to break in, to, to break that, that strongholds in our heart. The cynicism will be broken and the faith and compassion will be filled, uh, filled with, with our heart by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But our willingness is very, very important. What is our situation now? Can we use this authority in the name of Jesus? Can we have the right to use that one? Romans 15, 19 says, Romans 15, 19. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around in Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Paul is saying, this is the way I work. I don't just write something. I don't just preach something. I love to demonstrate what actually God wants to do among the people. Through the power of the signs, and one day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, not to exalt my name, to point people to God, showing this is what God's heart. This is what's God's heart. Healing, pointing towards Jesus. Miracles, pointing towards the King. Breakthroughs, pointing towards to the King. In the midst of suffering... God's grace will enable us to trust in God. No miracle pointing towards Jesus because he is trustworthy. His name is above all names. He has conquered sin and death. He healed the sick. He healed the lame. He opened the blind eyes. He forgave sins. He is the one resurrected from the dead. And he is alive. There is many, many things. We, I was thinking, I was called, so amazed by the songs this morning. They say like, his name is wonderful. His name is counselor. His name is prince of peace. He is the living word. Then another word came. You know, who can, uh, 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 another word came. Only God can do that. But I was thinking, oh my goodness, I don't need to preach today, you know. If people are just uh, really uh, reading that lines, you know, because this is what God is doing, you know. He is not an ordinary guy. He's not just a carpenter. He's not just a guru. He's not a like a nice uh, moral person. He is God and he is king. And he is alive. And we are using the name of Jesus with boldness. So please write it down. The biggest mountain in your life. What are the things you are facing now? Maybe emotional pressure. Maybe family issues. It could be depression. It could be some of the things you are struggling years and years. It could be something you are embarrassed to, to communicate to other people. I have seen, you know, some, some meetings when I was, uh, uh, some people come and say, last 35 years, 
This is happening in my life. I can't, something physical, disability. They can't share in a public setting. Humiliating. But God can heal. God can set you free. God can deliver you. God can fill your heart with peace. God can give you the grace. Not only that, God can give you the boldness to pray for others. God will give you the openness to open, uh, uh, to open your mouth and to communicate. So I'd love to encourage you for this moment, in your mobile or in your paper or somewhere in your mind, at least I will say, just somewhere, God, this is the mountain in my life. But I'm just hearing about the name, about all names. It's not a fiction. This is not a fantasy. This is truth. You can move the mountain. You can do that. Culture will say, "Mm, that's not the situation. Friends will say, this is the way I live. Nothing happened to me. Your life will be like that. Books will say, you can't expect beyond that. Statistics will say, statistically, this is the result. So, what? just live with that one. But God will say, no, nothing is impossible with me. God is offering that. Could be sleeplessness. Anything. When you're listening, just say, God, your name is above all names. That means... This mountain is smaller when I'm looking at the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's nothing. I love to look up rather than looking down and analyzing my problem. Because you are my deliverer. You are my healer. How can we use this authority? We are God's children. Galatians chapter 3, verse 25 to 29. Galatians chapter 3, 25 to 29. But now the faith has come. We are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ you are all sons of God through faith. Shall we read it together? Galatians chapter 3, 25 to uh, 25 to 29. Okay? It's there. Okay, it's there. <laughs> okay, shall we read it together? But now that the faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We are all children of God. So that means we can use Jesus' name. We are connected. This is, we are representing a family. So we are no longer a slave. We are children of God. But the problem is living a silly life. Not understanding who we are. Like the way when Prince Harry does some naughty things here and there. He won't maintain the 
you know, the family status. So they, everyone is cross now. So it's a good news for media, but it's a bad news for the, for the family. Humiliating. But our case is different. Jesus won't say, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Blessing is doing this one. Oh, no. He's always there to encourage us and enable us. Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 say, The heir is as long as he is a child, no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. For example, even if, a, if, if, even if I own a big property, if I'm not living up to that standard, if I'm not understanding that one, there's no difference between me and the, and the, and the gardener in that, that place. The moment I understood who we are, that will change the way we deal with the situation. The change we, the change we, we pray, the change we do things. Because God wants to open our eyes to see who we are in Christ. Matthew chapter 28 verse 10. Jesus called us brothers. Before he called us, uh, 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 he called us brothers. Before he called us friends. Now he's calling us. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Go and tell my brothers. Okay, so that means you are my bigger brother. So we have a relationship now. Romans chapter 8, 29 is amazingly placed there, you know. So after reading Matthew, then go to Romans chapter 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also pre... Um, do struggle with that word. Predestined. Okay, you read that for me. To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So we are the brothers and sisters. Who is our first brother, bigger brother? Jesus. He's connected. Through him, we all are brothers and sisters. So that means we are connected to the father. So we have the authority from the father. So that's why we are using the name of Jesus. So things will happen. Demonic forces will go. Miracles will happen. In the midst of severe persecution, God will give us the grace to deal with situations. Holy Spirit in us is living as as a river, not as a lake. Can you turn to your person sitting next to you and say, Holy Spirit is living in us as a river, not as a lake. What's the nature of the river? The river likes to flow. In John chapter 7, verse 35, 37, on the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And they said, the rivers of the living water will flow. What is hindering that flow? For Western world, the number one is cynicism. In India, people are open to spirituality. Whether it's Hinduism or Buddhism or Jainism, they are open. If you say, Jesus heals now, then they will say, come on then. Before you say that one, that person starts walking. Oh, I didn't pray. You can see. In the name of Jesus, you don't need to say that one. Just say, you can see that people screaming and shouting and running, you know. Then you need to say, 
Calm down, shut up, sit there, let me finish my preaching, I will come and do, deal with you. Hundreds of things moving here and there. In the western world, things are different. Because it's a bit more stronger. Like a concrete. Cynicism. Cold response. Always have a mentality to analyze things. And um, when God is saying something, we do struggle to... Mm, yeah, I can't. Yeah, so maybe true, but... Okay, so a bit more. Other than saying, yes, God, I love to receive that. Yes, God, your word is true. I love to believe that one. Yes, God, come and fill me with your spirit. Yes, God, I love to heal the sick because so that you will be get glorified. I'm not ashamed about my community or surrounding. I love to glorify your name. I'm open to it. Cynicism always quench or, 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 or like a, trying to stop the flow of the spirit. It's like a big stone hindering the flow of a water. The best example is Pharisees. They always resisted the work of God. But here, God wants to set us free. This is the way we are molded by our culture, by cynicism. But today, God really loved to set us free. The main response is repentance. Repentance. Car, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to believe. I need your help. The same Holy Spirit give the disciples boldness. Come and set me free so that I can be a witness. Second thing is Lack of understanding about the scripture. Some people think, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. God is sovereign. He will do whatever he likes to do. It's nothing to do with me. The healing prayer we do is included in his sovereignty. The preaching we do is already included in his sovereignty. So it's not a different thing. God loves to do through us. That's why God anointed us. Sometimes it's a pressure than a privilege. Oh, I love to pray, but oh, I can't pray. I can't pray. It's like a pressure. Oh, I missed the opportunity to pray. Oh, uh, sad coming back. Oh, I could have prayed for that person, but I missed the opportunity. It's always that pressure to do something. Pressure to do something other than naturally seeing as a privilege. The pressure to do something is a killer. But... Understanding as a privilege, that's a great joy to do things. The privilege always lift us up and always enable us to move with compassion. Pressure will, won't allow us to move with compassion. It will crush our faith and the joy to do things. Last one is fear. Fear of nothing happening. You know, if, if nothing happens. People are looking. When are we going to pray? If nothing happens. So we are more concerned about others than God. What others think? What others think? What others, how will that affect others and me? You know, kind of things. Actually, when you move with compassion, you don't care about anything. You do care about God and you want to glorify God. Fear can be a thing. Fear of failure. Fear of offending others. I know she is a new age person. I know this person believes in this one. 
but I don't want to offend them. I do remember when Mark was preaching, he said, when your friend or someone else house is on a fire, you won't just knock and say, would you please consider getting up? And no, you don't do that. Get up! Get out! This is a life-saving message. The only message is available in the whole universe. In order to get saved, there is no other name. The name of Jesus is the name to get saved. That's the good news. Fear of offending people, losing friendship. But remember, many houses are on fire now. Each moment without Jesus, they're walking towards the hell. Eternally losing God's joy. We are there. It's the good news. Jesus died for you. How can we get that one? By the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let me finish. Luke chapter 10. God anointed them. They came back and said, oh, Jesus, in your name, things are happening, you know. <laughs> Healing's happening, miracles happening. You know, when I was casting out, there was something screamed and went down. Oh, I couldn't believe that. Jesus said, calm down. That's not the biggest thing. Your name is written in the book of life. Some people take that one. My name is beacon, uh, written in the book of life. That's the highest thing. But I will say, without climbing the first step, without climbing the second step, you can't go up to a ladder. So if your name is written in the book of life, you do care about healing. You do care about miracles. You do care about casting out demons. You do care about everything because that is part of the story. Sometimes we will say, um... I'm enjoying the freedom. I'm saved. If you're really experiencing that, you can't walk without compassion. Because Jesus said, go, set the captives free. Go, preach the good news. And Holy Spirit is here to encourage us, to edify us, to strengthen us, to shape us. To break the strongholds of cynicism, to break the strongholds of fear, break the strongholds of sickness, the break the strongholds of this culture to set us free so that we can rejoice in his presence. Don't just be like a beggar. This is the way we do things. Be like Peter and John. No, this is not the way God wants you to be. Get up, go home. Let's close our eyes. I would like the band to come forward.